When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Welcome in to uh, sort of a, a bonus, I wouldn't say emergency episode by any means, but when the head coach of the football team uses a word to describe the battle at center that he hasn't used before, then maybe this is kind of an emergency episode here of Judd's Camp Notes on Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. The show is presented by our friends at TCL. They make more than just great televisions, which uh, I have a couple in my place for sure. Um, they also make amazing phones with the TCL 30V 5G smartphone. Enjoy blazing fast 5G speed, an AI-powered 50-megapixel triple camera system. That's right. Ooh. Football. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ultra-realistic and true-to-life visuals powered by Next Vision and booming sound from the dual speakers. Learn more at TCL.com. Competition. That's a word we haven't officially heard from Kevin O'Connell so far to characterize what's happening at center in training camp in the offseason. So uh, you were there at practice and you have observed what they've kind of been trying to do with the backups. I've got some some reporting on a potential free agent option, too. But let's just start with what is the current state of the center battle after what Kevin O'Connell said that there's competition for Garrett Bradbury? Uh, so if we were to do a DEFCON, DEFCON, um, DEFCON 5 is is in, imminent death, basically, right? And DEFCON 1 is calm. I thought it was is the other way, isn't it? Or isn't, is isn't I always one, forget. Yeah. I, think it's, so, I think 1 is bad. Yeah. Okay, so if 1 is bad, um, let's just say that we are at DEFCON 3 here, and we haven't played a preseason game yet. Um Kevin O'Connell was asked extensively in his Saturday uh, press conference about the play of Garrett Bradbury because there's no getting past the fact that Bradbury has struggled. Like, you can't... And interior line play is among... We've talked about this before. The most difficult things to break down. But when a guy's continually being pushed back and having the same problems he's had for years now, um, you can't escape that. And so O'Connell was asked uh, three or four questions about this and did his best to... um, you know, dodge the questions, weave, bob, bit of a boxing match. But the reality is in one of his answers, he finally did say there's competition there, uh, which, you know, clearly there's not at the tackle spots. Clearly, I don't think there is a left guard. Yeah. Right guard, there definitely is, and that's a good thing. At center, it's not a good thing because your whole plan was that you were going to fix Bradbury. He alluded to the fact that, and he continues to talk about this, and we've discussed this as well, is that they can somehow scheme around Bradbury's problems, which in pass protection, I don't get 
exactly how far you can go in scheming around a problem. If the guy flat out is going to get his uh, rear end kicked by Kenny Clark in week one. Now, this is where you open up Pandora's box, though, when you say competition. Because then the question becomes this. Okay, there's competition. From whom? Because, here's the other thing. And and this is where uh, it's very important to note quotes from coaches and spin meet reality of observing practices. Um, after Bradbury had a terrible practice on Monday, first uh, first full padded practice now, basically a week ago, Chris Reed was moved to center, second team center, with Austin Schlotman, who had been the second team center to open camp, moved to the guard. Um, Reed then, in the next couple practices at backup, Center basically proved, and he has never played a game there in his life, a regular season game. He's listed as a center guard, but he is a guard. Uh, basically proved that um, his snapping just across the board is not good, which is sort of a problem when you're a center. So after two days with Chris Reed at center and the ball being on the ground too much, Austin Schlotman has been moved back there. And oh, and now he, ha- he has extensive experience at center, but the question is, is he a bailout to become the starter? Because really, he is a backup. That's what he is, which is fine to have him on your roster as depth if you have confidence in your center. So, long answer short, the issue is the reality of what O'Connell said in trying to spin things was nice, and I don't blame him, and, and I wasn't surprised. The harsh reality is in saying there's competition, there's a much bigger question then because there should be competition but who is it from boy this is sort of unpack that Mackie well there's there's a there's a lot and a little we'll start with the little this is the problem that everyone casual fans have shown a light on for two three years the Gare Bradbury has just not picked it up guys a first round pick and it's funny if you go back through some of the scouting reports on the internet before the 2019 draft, mm-hmm. you go through the weaknesses section. There's a lot of positives, and in, 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 I think he's been okay, serviceable in, in run blocking because he's nimble. Yes. He can get to the second level, and you know he's always he's not been elite as a run blocker, but compared to his pass blocking, it's a, right. At least yes. If you look at some of the the weaknesses in the scouting reports, all of them are coming to fruition. You know, this one's from Bleacher Report. NFL strength could be a problem when facing nose tackles or one technique defenders with better bulk than those he saw in the ACC, for instance. Football. Uh, can become robotic in his pass sets. Must learn to be more creative when countering blockers. Football. It's all been there for three years. And I think I don't have as much of a problem with the new coaching staff and the new front office saying, you know what, Let's we, we're not going to be able to upgrade everything so uh there's going to be some positions where we have to just sort of give the incumbent a chance to get better and based on what we did and by we i mean kevin o'connell and the rams coaching staff with brian allen in los angeles turning him into a pro bowler and a well not a pro bowler but like a guy that got a big contract after his fourth season in los angeles we can do the same thing with bradbury my problem isn't that they're trying to make bradbury better my problem is that they don't even have a center on the roster behind him. Right. They're trying to transition guards on the second team to centers. They're literally having Chris Reed snap footballs for the first time in a long time. 
So it's it's weird that you would identify one of your biggest weaknesses on the roster. You would go through the process of declining his fifth year option, mm-hmm. telling him you're not good enough. We don't believe in you beyond 2022, at least not at that price tag. And then you don't have an actual center behind him. And these are things we saw coming from months away, right? You get into February, March. Okay, well, who are some of the options out there? Who could you? Now, I will say just a little bit of information here for people wondering. So J.C. Treader, who we've talked about for months on this show, he is the best available free agent center. He is, according to Pro Football Focus, one of the, consistently one of the five to seven best centers in the NFL and much, much, much better as a pass protector than Garrett Bradbury ever has been on his best day. Mm-hmm. The problem with, with Treader is his he's got banged up knees and he barely practiced last season with the Browns. He doesn't really miss games, but he barely practiced. Right. Quasey was with the Browns, so if anyone knows J.C. Treader, it's going to be Quasey. I have been told it's crickets on that front, not only from the Vikings side. The Vikings have not reached out to J.C. Treader or his agent. Uh-huh. The Buccaneers haven't either, and they just lost Ryan Jensen to a devastating injury. Uh-huh. And so I think, it's, and, and some people are going to say, well, well, his knees must be shot. Well, to not even give him a workout and a physical seems odd, and the only other thing you could potentially pin to this is that he's been correct me if I'm wrong Jed he's the NFLPA president last yes. season right yes for the yeah, league exactly. and owners have been a little bit chapped about some of the negotiations and back and forth during the pandemic period and so there's maybe there's some bad blood between owners and NFLPA leaders and so this is just m- my educated speculation but I actually think his status as the NFLPA president might be more of a factor than his knees. No one's even given him a physical. Mm-hmm. If you're the Vikings, why would you not at least bring him in for a workout and give him a physical and try and get him caught up to speed with this offense as quickly as possible if he checks out fine physically? Sign him, right? Mm-hmm. It, don't you think it's weird that they wouldn't even sniff around a guy like J.C. Treader? And I'm told he, he wants to play, but he's you know he's not just going to just – it's got to be – financially, it's got to – be something more than maybe a veteran's minimum contract, but why not reach out to him? Um, so I'm surprised that he was not contacted and, and that teams didn't do that months ago. So like not now. He He's a guy who, look, I know he doesn't practice much in camp, but I mean, he is an incredibly uh, potentially valuable veteran addition. But we talked about this, man. The agents, or I'm, I'm sorry, the, the PA stuff and all. I mean, this is a league that ostracized uh, Colin Kaepernick. Basically wouldn't give him a, a chance in, in what was full-on collusion uh, because they didn't like what he had done. And he's a quarterback. Like, coaches would, you know, yeah. um, coaches would do anything to get a QB. So, on Treader, I guess... I'm not surprised because I really thought that teams would reach out to him long ago. And look, if you know what, if he miserably fails every physical because his knees are shot, that's fine. But yeah, it makes almost no sense. And now if you're the Vikings, you are really in a pickle because if you go through, if they're not going to inquire about or pursue Treader, um, Spotrack, I believe, has about 20 still available centers out there but you know what for the most part it's guys like brett jones who played here who again is a center guard who's not that good and so you've now gotten yourself into a situation where i think the only option 
And and just to be clear, I fully expect Bradbury struggles to continue because they're not new. Like if he had yeah. shown up at training camp, like like a pitcher does, right in the spring, and oh my God, the velos—he's lost his stuff. Oh, what are we gonna do? Well, at least then you're surprised. This should come as a surprise to no one. Um, and if you basically see before September 11th against the Packers that we cannot fix this guy. And more importantly, we cannot scheme around the problems here. And Kirk Cousins is going to get interior pressure. And, and O'Connell talks about the fact from the Vikings end, defensively, interior pressure is the absolute key because it's immediately on the quarterback. It blows mm -hmm. things up. Like, like pressure from the ends is a problem, but it's not there immediately. Yeah. Um, I think the only option within the next few weeks is to make a trade. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, are you are you trading for a team starter? Is there a team ready to wait? Is there a center out there on a team that's waving the white flag? And no, what would you have to give up? That's the problem. I'm. Saying I'd rather I, just sign a guy in free agency and not give up a third round draft pick. It's know? probably not a third round draft pick. Here's the bad news: if you make a trade, it's probably a backup that you have identified and like behind a guy who's probably pretty damn good, who's not going to lose his job or leave for a long time, and it's probably a fifth round pick. And at this point in time. Um, if you're not going to, if Treader is out, like if you are like, we are not going to explore that one. We don't want, we don't want that smoke, Phil. The JC Treader smoke is too much. Um, so the, the options are the Brett Jones of the world or a, a younger center who might be a little bit buried on a depth chart. Um, I don't love door two, but I guess I take that. But the key there is you got to do this because this is a position that has, you know, is instrumental in knowing the foundation of your scheme, of your calls, right? So, like, this is not a, this is not a, we brought in a punter. This is a center. And it's, do a, it. and it's a center in a system that's being installed right now. It's not like, it's, that's the thing. You can trade for somebody, but the more days and weeks go by, unless that player you trade for has familiarity with the system, what's he going to do? Come in and cram the system in and get to know new teammates, new quarterback, and just be ready to start? They're not going to be ready to start week one unless they make a trade right now and they still have some preseason games and things. Sure. Just for some statistical context, according to Pro Football Focus, last season, J.C. Treader, who played 16 games, over 1,000 snaps, I think the only game he missed was because of COVID. I don't think he missed a game because of an actual injury. Mm -hmm. So he played 16 games. He allowed 10 pressures all season. Mason Cole, who started like four or five games, and Garrett Bradbury, who started the rest, combined to allow 46. Yeah. And now that might not seem like, okay, well, so 36 more pressures. That's only two a game. Well, when you start to strip away, so you're going to run like 60 plays in a game or something, and maybe half of them are run plays, and so you're going to throw 30 passes in a game, and some of them are going to be like eight to 10 are going to be kind of designed quick hitting. So on like true dropbacks that aren't play action, and they and they aren't quick hitting routes where you actually need the quarterback to step back. Like those two extra pressures per game matter a lot. It might mean yes. the difference between With an extra guy? third down conversion. Yeah, absolutely. With Kirk Cousins, hundred yep. percent correct. So. Um, I, I mean nobody. I I have even the staunchest Cousins defenders. I have never heard anyone really push back against the statement that has been made on this show and probably every forum that's ever talked about Kirk which is the conditions for Kirk need to be as ideal and perfect as possible, right? Interior pressure ruins that immediately. Mm -hmm. Like that is a, how interior pressure is a tornado coming through 
your town. It ruins like like the perfect conditions are immediately gone. Um, pressures from the end can be a problem, but I don't. But that doesn't necessarily ruin things immediately. You know, if Kenny Clark, if on the first snap of the season, Garrett Bradbury, it, and it's a pass play, which you know in the new Vikings world it very well might be, and Kenny Clark beats Bradbury as bad as he can and probably potentially will that day. That play's done. Where's it going to go? Yeah. What are you no, going to do? It's 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 Groundhog Day, man. This it, it also drives me nuts when coaching staffs come in and say, "I can fix this." Oh, this 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 go this goes into the whole Zimmer was the problem, right? Mike Zimmer was the cancer here. Well, there were other things. This wasn't like a ready-made Super Bowl roster that Mike Zimmer sabotaged, okay? Garrett Bradbury, not Mike Zimmer's fault. Now, was his development stunted in some way because they didn't have an offensive-minded coaching staff? If you go back to 2019-20, we could probably relitigate that. But it looks, by all accounts, that Garrett Bradbury was just a whiff of a draft pick, right? Yes. Yeah. It, he, was, exactly. he was undersized from the get-go, and, and they prioritized quickness and being nimble in the zone run-blocking scheme over protecting their statuesque pocket-passing quarterback. And they did that with other offensive linemen, too. So it is yep. uh, for this to be a theme in the first couple of weeks of training camp is so frustrating for so many Vikings fans. I've I've seen so many fans who've gone and taken video. Like people are now taking video of oh here's Bradbury getting shoved off the line of scrimmage again. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, and and I think the most frustrating thing is too is as we talked about a little bit before, even the fan base said this was coming. Like when they're like. You know, and and I don't think anybody was saying, well, I don't think a lot of us were saying that Garrett Bradbury like should be cut immediately or or shouldn't get a chance. But when you don't have any real backup plan, that's the problem. Like like you don't need to listen to us and be like, yeah, you're right. We're cutting Bradbury today and we're assigning this guy. Um, but at least give yourself a chance there. And and the most frustrating thing is. This also goes back to the heart of a very important discussion, which is um, if this coaching staff is going to truly maximize, and not just statistically, but wins and losses, Kirk Cousins, if they're really going to do this, you're really going to take a chance at Dude, center? If, it's a foundational beam in the building. Yeah, I'll even just go a, a specific step forward. If you are serious about winning as many games as possible this year and giving Kirk Cousins the best chance, you give J.C. Treader a workout. You give him a workout and a physical, and you just sure. see how bad are the knees. How bad? I don't care about the the players' association stuff. Get over it. Who cares? Yeah. If if you want to win football games, and you want to go from one of the worst centers in the NFL, starting centers, to one of the best, even if he's damaged and he can't practice all the time. Now maybe the argument is we really need you to be practicing early especially because this is an this is a system install and we just we need to get used to the the calloused hands of Kirk Cousins being on your keister right. on a daily basis right but again i to this point uh, as it's been told to me there have been zero overtures from the vikings to the camp of JC Treader so so they push onward with their interior options led by Garrett Bradbury uh in terms of options for you guys the audience to play fantasy football this season Prize picks should be uh, one of those top options for you. It's a very easy way to play daily fantasy. 
You pick between two and five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And this is kind of cool, too. So you got football season coming up, but they offer every major sport, including, like, I'm a big, the golf playoffs are coming up. I'm a huge golf nerd. You can actually run mixed sport entries. So as we get into September, for instance, you could take the over on Cousins and then, like, the under on Tony Finau or something and just combine your Sunday sports viewing into a mainlining experience. Be great. Flipping back and forth. Yes. Promo code NORTH and prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. That's promo code NORTH. Check them out, prizepicks.com or the Prize Picks app. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, where uh, for over 100 years, they've been helping businesses maximize their level of success through risk management tools and resources. These are some of the smartest people in the insurance game, and uh, you can rest easy at night knowing that they are the offensive line protecting your business from threats out on the horizon. Check them out at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, let's uh, let's go through some other just some other things that stood out to you here over the last couple of days of practice. Judd's camp notes continued. Uh, Friday's practice, impressive performance, and a couple of what I like to call splash plays. Mm. Splash plays mm. by football. New free agent acquisition, but certainly National Football League veteran linebacker Jordan Hicks. Um, he he forced a fumble by Alexander. Madison, which was a nice play. And then, perhaps more importantly, he uh, picked off a Kirk Cousins pass. Uh-oh. He picked off a, a Cousins pass that wasn't particularly well thrown, but you know what? He picked it off. He gets full credit for that. Um, and, and Hicks is, you know, Hicks and Kendricks are going to be really the true foundational linebacker pieces here, you know? Um, Smith, um, Zedaria Smith and Hunter and that whole crew is basic. They're basically, they're listed as outside linebackers. They will very rarely ever drop into coverage. They will provide, uh, from the base of a three, four defense, the stand up rush that, uh, that you look for from players like that. But the interior linebackers are going to be incredibly important as well. And, and Hicks and Kendricks aren't kids. Um, but that's also can be partially a good thing because what they are going to bring probably is a learning curve that's not going to take as long as some players. So the fact that Jordan Hicks appears to be uh, catching on to what the Vikings are doing here um, and made a couple of nice plays, it, if he had screwed up, I'd point that out. So I think it's only fair that if a guy makes a couple of nice plays in a practice, especially one uh, done in full pads, that he gets credit for that as well. We can probably do just kind of a deeper dive into Kirk Cousins on tomorrow's episode. I'm just kind of curious, though. Some of these, because there's been some interceptions and some nice plays here and there by defenders. How much of that is great play, defense, scheme, whatever, versus Cousins working things out, learning the new offense himself and the routes and everything? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a combination of both. And, and I, I also think that we should do a deeper dive on Monday into what I think might be the most important question off of all of those things. Cause there've been some nice plays too. He's made some very nice plays and, and in Saturday's back, the practice in particular, he and Jefferson had a chemistry that may I say might've felt a little bit special. Mm. Um, but I think that there is a, um, 
I don't know that there's been a come to Jesus sit down between O'Connell and Cousins, but it feels like there's been like there is a there is a moment taking place now at practice involving Kirk that I I will not say is a bad thing, but it's an incredibly in- interesting topic. But I don't want to blow that right now. So let's wow, that's come a back. tease from Monday's episode. Let's come like back that. to on Monday like to one thing I think is unfolding slowly but surely. No acrimony, but interest. I like it. Okay. All right, what else? Well, so we'll, we'll get into some more Kirk Cousins stuff on Monday's episode. What else did you observe over the weekend? Um, let's talk about Greg Joseph. Greg Joseph has been, and, and this might be among the things, because, you know, we both are in the camp that you can't blame Zim for everything, right? Oh, man, look. Um, the fields, they look greener. Well, Zimmer's gone. Of course they do. But I do want to, uh, but... Perhaps the most interesting test or among them in this entire exercise of Mike being gone and being replaced by a guy who certainly is going to bring in, in Kevin O'Connell, far more positive reinforcement is Greg Joseph. And I'll just tell you right now, and I know it's practice, but Greg Joseph has been unbelievable. I've yet to see him miss. Uh, On Friday, they they did a couple of um, late game drills, and he hit from 50-plus yards with both the first and second team. He was the day before that, I believe he was seven of seven on kicks. Um, Yesterday he was five of five and he's not like just making the, Oh man, he just made him on the 50 plus yard kicks. There's room to spare. And everything is basically for the most part dead on. And this is one where I do think that there's a very interesting discussion of what positive reinforcement at a position that needs it like these are this is not a guard hey be tougher yeah wimp this is a position that's that's so mental um that i don't think it's an accident that greg joseph thus far in training camp has absolutely thrived i love it i think it's and obviously it's practice and you and the difference between a really good kicker and a kicker that you would potentially cut could literally be two or three missed kicks throughout the course of a season. Because we kind of went through the stats last week that yep. the, the, the best kickers in the NFL, Justin Tucker being at the top, the best kickers are missing three field goals a year, which is insane. So they're missing fewer than one field goal every single month. Yep. And then the guys that are kind of borderline in terms of their the being like 25th in field goal percentage are guys that you would maybe consider creating a, a a competition at camp the next year, they're missing like six kicks a year. If you start to miss eight or nine kicks a year, you're out of a job. So it's not, and maybe you're going to get 30 or 40 attempts, right? If you go, if you go 22 of 29, you're probably out of a job. Mm-hmm. If you go 25 of 32, you're probably out of a job or competing next year. But if you go 28 of 32, yep. you're one of the 10 or 12 best kickers. So the margin is so thin that, Hey, he's kicking great in camp. But if he, if he misses, two field goals in the first two weeks, then it's all of a sudden, oh my God. So, but imagine to, to all of that, I just said, imagine trying to do that job where you know in the back of your head, God, if I miss six kicks this year, in in four months, if I miss six kicks, I'm probably out of a job or competing for a job at camp next summer. The pressure that you'd have to live with on a daily basis, every time you walk out in the middle of the second quarter or at the end of a game, so it is, uh, I, I do empathize with kickers. It is al- almost an impossibly difficult job made more difficult. If your head coach is adding fuel to the fire and making, 
you know, even more pressure for you, right? So having a coach that kind of relaxes you as a kicker, yes. I would think would be very helpful. Imagine having a caddy or something over your shoulder in golf saying, dude, you got, dude, you got to stick, you got to stick this shot. Your head coach hated you. If you, you, if you don't, yeah, if you don't stick this shot, him. then. <laughs> he couldn't stand it. Like, like not him personally, he just hated the position. And, and you know what? I, I gave this some thought too. So when you go back to 2021 with uh, Joseph, all right, the Cardinals miss was a bad miss. There's no question about it. That's a terrible miss. But that being said, you know, if we get past our own personal bias as well uh, against that position in this town, which, of course, uh, dates back now to 1998, um, you know, Greg Joseph won the Lions game. And if they don't win that game here on Monday, Mike might have been fired at the time. Yeah. Um, and so Greg Joseph actually made some very big kicks. I think the combination of the fact that that Zimmer couldn't stand kickers, and we're sort of guilty of that as well. Blair Walsh, Anderson, right? Well, like we're more we're more scarred by kickers, right? And but we don't like them. about kickers. But we don't like them because of that. Like we want them to just just be be good. Longwell yeah. was perfect. You know why? Because for the most part, he was just good. Yeah. Yeah, we're ready to, I think as a fan base in media, we're definitely ready to, you miss a couple kicks and we're ready to move on to the next kicker. Yes. Probably yeah. a little quick trigger there. You know. the, the last kicker that I thought, you know what? You should have just stuck with that guy, Kai Forbath. Because he missed some extra points, but for the most part, he made field goals. And that's what I think is mo most important. Um, there, there's also eventually, uh, Phil, a deep dive to be done on, on this. Will Kevin O'Connell go for two? Now, Mike did actually more did. than pe people thought, but I'll, I'll be very curious to see if Kevin evolves as well and starts to go for two more, uh, which will play itself out. But I, I think that at least becomes a viable question with a guy who certainly sees himself as being on the cutting edge of how offenses are working. Yes. In fact, if I, I think Zim was pretty aggressive on fourth down, too. If I, well, maybe not. Uh, yeah, the Vikings were he was aggressive in fourth down attempts last I year. felt he was, yeah. Um, the last thing, and it's interesting. So, Kane Wangwu missed practice time last week because I think I think he hurt his leg and it was soft tissue, so it was not like a bad thing. But he he tweaked it, and so uh, being smart, they were cautious. He returned to practice on Saturday, and it looked to me, it looked to me like he for sure is the third guy on the depth chart. No questions asked. So it looks like it goes Cook, Madison, Wangwu. And again, this opens up a very interesting door in question, which is if he's the third guy, how, how many packages and play designs are going to revolve around his potential participation? Because with his speed and ability, he definitely has a skill set that Cook and, and Madison for sure aren't going to bring. And so, like, there would definitely be times where you would use him, work him in. And if you could get, I just keep going back to this. If you can get Wang with the ball in space, because space is important, um, on a pass I'll, play. I'll hit you. Football. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> on pass plays, um, are you looking at, like, a Kansas City Chiefs type of design of a play? Open field, that much speed, room to run. I trust that I trust Kevin O'Connell a lot more than I trusted the Kubiaks. Well, I'll say Clint Kubiak specifically and 
Mike Zimmer to get that dude the ball in places. If they think he can be an asset, they're going to get him the ball a handful of times, right? Yep. I, I trust that to happen. So very interesting. Um, you mentioned two-point conversions real quick here. Mm-hmm. Interesting nugget here. So the Vikings were sixth in the NFL in two-point conversion attempts. Some of that is is just like the situations you find yourself into. It's not necessarily that you were more aggressive. It was more just like you had you had to go for two or it was obvious. But this is the crazy thing. The Vikings had the worst conversion percentage on two-point conversions in the entire league last year. They were one for seven on two-point conversions. I don't recall that being a thing, but apparently they were, no. according to Pro Football Reference. I don't either. They had they attempted really? seven two-point conversions. They made one of them. Wow. Yeah. I That's amazing. One of seven? Yes. I'm that trying is, to rack my brain and think back. We'd have to like do a do a dive into why and how. Just for fun, let me see. Is was that a thing too in 2020? It would make sense though. Think about just some of the short yardage failures this team has yeah, had. They were actually one absolutely. of the worst short yardage run teams in the league. Absolutely. A couple years ago, you had it wasn't a two point conversion. I don't think, but, but Alex Madison had a two. It was a, a short yardage failure in Seattle that led to them getting the ball back and coming down the field. So 2020. The Vikings ranked, okay, they barely attempted any. They had, no, I, I take that back. They were 8 of 12. They had the, the second most two-point conversion attempts in 2020. Oh wow! Some of this, I think, if I remember correctly, that was the year, too, where Dan Bailey just went completely off the rails halfway through the season, and Mike Zimmer started going for two because he didn't trust his kicker. Yes. I think that's why, partially A why they ranked theme. second. <laughs> And they were eight of twelve, so some of some of it's just like you're dealing with small sample sizes, and it's some of it's just luck based. But yeah, again, who do you trust to diagram the inbounds pass here, so to right, speak? Exactly, Kevin O'Connell or Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak. Right? Exactly. Yes, and and uh, you know, I will say this: the step from uh, from Gary Kubiak to Clint, the step down was probably about fourteen rungs. Oh man! Yeah. Like Gary might have had his faults, I don't know, but but the guy had been there, done that, and certainly had a very good idea of what uh, proper execution looked like. Um, it became very clear with Clint that that if it wasn't designed on Wednesday, you were probably in trouble. Yeah. Yep. And they, you know, the, the, that's another thing to break down too: the scripted first fifteen plays versus the rest of the game. Almost anyone can spend 72 hours scripting the first 15 plays. If you've been around the NFL long enough, you know your system, you scout the defense. But that's not where games aren't won in the first 15 plays. It's the adjustment to the adjustment. It's the second half. It's the bullets are flying. Now we're down by 10. Oh, my God, what do we do? What are they taking away? And that's where I think Clint Kubiak and Kirk Cousins were just not a great combo. I mean, that Arizona game is a great example. They come out of the gate firing. And we all remember Greg Joseph blowing the game by missing a field goal. What people don't remember is the offense disappeared for like an hour. Right. <laughs> right. And and I believe you got, I believe there was a deep shot that worked uh, to KJ Osborne for a touchdown within like the first three plays. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go back to that though. The scripted plays. That's when the tone is set, Phil. That's when the tone is set. That's when you make a statement, good or bad. You make the statement. Yes. Let's get it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna save some of the. I know you're going back to practice today, but we will do. I know you had a Kellen Mond note in there too. Let's uh let's just do kind of a state of the Vikings quarterbacks through two weeks of camp 
for okay. tomorrow's episode. Talk Perfect. some Kirk Cousins, some more Kellen Mond. But uh, yeah, there it is. Judd's Camp Notes, everybody. You can find some written stuff, too, at scorenorth.com if you want to. If you want to and read if you Judd's. can hike a football, call the Vikings. Yeah. TCO Performance Center, Egan MN. Call the Vikings, write them, email them, carrier pigeon, put your name in the hat. That's how that's how J.C. Treader is going to wind up getting easy. All right, I guess if I have to show up myself with my luggage. Then. Dear crazy. Football. Yeah. <laughs>